how are we doing today, my lovely listeners? Whether your answer is good, bad, or somewhere in between, I hope these next few minutes provide a respite for your soul as we talk about hard spaces. My name is Brennan, and today I'm joined by my roommate, Allie Keyport, and we're chatting today about church hurt. So let's get started. So I think, um, Allie, if you just kind of want to uh, just give a little bit of an intro to yourself, and then um, we'll kind of get into this topic and how uh, church hurt has sort of like played a role in your life, and um, we can kind of dive in uh, from there. All righty. Well, um, I grew up a Christian uh, and have been a part of the church my entire life. I have worked in Christian organizations for the entirety of my career. And so um, seeing the uh, inner workings of the church, both in the actual local church and in kind of its broader expressions, has been a part of my life for really as long as I can remember. Um, So... (laughs) When I think of church hurt, um, I think it's best to understand it really as an abuse of power. Um, and I think it's, it's uh, really important to differentiate between people within the church who have hurt you, perhaps people who are um, prone to gossip or are um, malicious, who are simply um, what we would just popularly popularly characterized as toxic, um, that's kind of a different category. That's just people being crappy. Church hurt is is different. Church hurt is um, at the hands of leadership. It is at the hands of um, an organization. And like I said, it comes down to that idea of an abuse of power. Um, and and not it can be um, in more uh, tangible forms, such as um, perhaps financial um, abuse of power. Um, my own experience has been more of a, a spiritual abuse of power. Um, all of those are really real and and profound. Um, it is. Uh, pretty, pretty far reaching. I w- I've talked to so many people over the years who have experienced it. And so, um, uh, Brenna, really grateful to you too, um, for having me on today. I'm, I'm really honored. Yeah. I think that's a really good point. I think, um, you know, maybe people that aren't super familiar with the term church hurt can associate it with the idea of, oh, I went to church and I had a really bad experience in a small group or a community and I get along better with my um, non-church going friends yeah. or I feel more accepted, more loved, less judged by, I know uh, like me speaking from somebody who's, you know, trying to find a church right now and someone who's had church hurt of their own yeah. um, and seeing churches, you know, fall apart and struggling to find, I think a lot of 20 year olds are struggling to find that um, that Christian community that where they can feel comfortable and they can mm-hmm. feel, um, you know, accepted. And, and you know, f- I think that's something that a lot, I've heard a lot of people struggling with and, you know, I personally have struggled with too. Um, so I think, um, you know, it's a really, uh, it po- I think it's really important to talk about this topic and as we sort of wrestle with, um you know, this idea that, um, who God is, is, uh, not necessarily like, oh, well, God must be this way because I've had a crappy experience with this person at the church versus like, you know, like God isn't defined by that. And so maybe we can sort of, I guess, sort of, what are your thoughts on that of, of church hurt, maybe getting confused with, you know, who God is or can sort of like deter people away from their relationship with the Lord. Have you experienced that at all? Is that. Um, I have, I have, you know, on and off struggled not to um, view God, not to view Christ in the ways that I view the church. I, I know what that feels like. The thing is, I think that we do that um, 
we do that in a lot of different settings. You know, uh, and scripture says all the time that God is our father. And um, for people out there who have had a difficult relationship with their earthly fathers, that scriptural image really presents a, a, a difficult barrier for them in understanding God because they think, well, if, if God is a father and mine was, you know, you fill in the blank with, you know, however um, fits your situation, mm-hmm. um, that is, th- that brings with it a lot of hurt. And we do the, we do the same thing, I think, oftentimes with church. Well, if the church is the body of Christ and it is joined to him as the head, then that must mean that Jesus Christ himself is something like the church. And in both of these cases, fathers are supposed to reflect God. The church is supposed to reflect Christ. God does not reflect fathers and Christ does not reflect the church. We draw from both of them and and reflect and, and we should be reflecting their character, God's character, Christ's character. Um, and so I think it's really, really important as we go into this conversa- conversation to recognize that Jesus Christ is so much kinder and more beautiful and more um, just wonderful than the church has ever been or ever could be. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. In, in throughout my years of struggle with the church, um, that has been, I think, the most important thing for me to remember that when I go to church, I am not there simply to check off a box. I'm there to meet with God. And whatever may have happened in the church, he is still other. He is still separate. Um, and that has honestly been a, a lifeline. Um, the, sometimes the thing that has kept me sane to know that um, that Jesus is not like that. <laughs> mm. Yeah, I think maybe let's talk a little bit more about, I know you sort of touched on it a little bit, but um, kind of your experience sure. growing. I know you said, so you've grown up in the church your whole life. You're in your 30s now. Yeah. You're still you're still going to church. Mm-hmm. Um, it hasn't been the easiest road. It has not. Um, and I think um, some people can resonate really deeply with your story. I mean, feel free to share as much mm-hmm. or as little as, as you feel. Um, and, you know, would just love to hear, you know, why you still go to church. I know you touched on it yeah. a little bit, but what what has been your experience in regards to how the church has really scarred you? And how has that healing journey been yeah. for you? Um, I think I want to start out my story by saying that um, if you have been wounded by the church, um, I know what that feels like. Um, I want you to know that my heart hurts for you. I'm sorry that that happened. I'm sorry that um, that so often the church does not deal well with sin. And let's call it what it is. This is not just a, um, this is not some mere character flaw. It's not um, a, a mistake in judgment. It's not a difference of opinion. This is sin that we are dealing with, and let's call it what it is. Um, But I also want to say that healing is possible. There is hope, and I am living proof of that, um, that no matter how how deep those wounds can go, that that there is still hope. Um, So my own journey with church hurt starts um, when I was just a kid. Um, My... uh, my best friend's father was our associate pastor. Uh, I grew up in the evangelical free church. Um, 
And he had an affair with the uh, director of women's ministries at the church that I grew up in. And um, I have very clear memories of going to the church uh, for this kind of like special meeting that they called um, where he confessed his uh, indiscretion to the congregation. And um, I, I also have a very clear memory of going back to the car after the meeting was done and just sitting there by myself and feeling deeply, deeply betrayed by this man, even though um, he wasn't, I, I wasn't, you know, related to him. Um, like I said, he was my best friend's father, so it was a, a close relationship, but that was the first time that I saw such a, a real failure, a moral failure in, in church leadership. And the ramifications of that um, were more in my relationship with with his daughter because neither of us knew how to handle that kind of trauma. I'd say we were maybe, uh, I don't even think we were teenagers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I want to say pretty 10, young, yeah. 12 years old, mm-hmm. maybe um, or so early, early middle school. And um, yeah, neither of us knew how to handle that trauma. And so it destroyed the relationship. Um, and so that, you know, kind of just went unresolved for years. Um, I didn't know how to talk about it. I didn't say anything to my family because I just, I I didn't have vocabulary to say that um, my friend's father had an affair and I don't know how to process it. Yeah, it's heavy stuff. Yeah, at 11 years old, you you, you shouldn't have words for that. Right. I didn't. Yeah. Um, So... Uh, time went on and then in um, I guess probably in about ninth grade my uh, my church hired a youth pastor um, who was a highly charismatic man Um, and as as time went on he seemed to be developing more and more of a um, a more close and unique relationship with one girl in particular in the youth group. Um, And this one girl was held up as a real, how to put it, um, kind of the ultimate um, spiritual leader of the youth group None of us could um, measure up to her, uh, her example. Um, and so there was this real air of favoritism that was starting mm. to brew in the youth group. And, and I wanted so badly to be approved of. I mean, that's a pretty common emotion, I think, for a lot of us. And so I, I just really wanted him to, um, to approve of me. Um, and so at uh, one particular youth event, we were at a music festival, a multi-day event. Um, <clears throat> there were several of us in the youth group who had begun to feel increasingly uncomfortable with the youth pastor's relationship with this one other girl. And so um, at, at, we were on this trip, and I remember we discussed it amongst ourselves, you know, what exactly is going on here? Um, and so one night, uh, the youth pastor kind of sat us all down. It was probably about 11 o'clock at night and said, um, I've heard that, you know, there's some discontent, some frustration. I want to know what's going on. Somebody tell me what's going on. And so I um, kind of took the plunge mm. and said in front of, you know, youth pastor, youth leaders, everyone, yeah. everyone mm-hmm. that we feel like you have a special relationship with this girl and we're not comfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, at the time, again, didn't have vocabulary for it. I realized now as an adult that my alarm bells were going off because he was in fact a sexual predator. Mm-hmm. And about, I mean, it was years after the fact. In fact, this 
the, the victim um, only came forward about two or three years ago, mm-hmm. but he was arrested for rape. Mm-hmm. And the girl that we said that we felt uncomfortable about his relationship, he was, in fact, sexually abusing. Mm-hmm. Um, but going back to that night, it um, it was just such a, a bloodbath. Mm-hmm. It was, um, you know, so many accusations from leadership towards the students of us being uh, gossiping and jealous and um, just petty. Mm. Um, but no one, no one really listened to what we had to say. Mm. Um, in fact, it was more the opposite because as, I mean, this night went on into the early hours of the morning and they were pulling us aside one by one to basically force us to recant what we had said about being uncomfortable. All the leaders were. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So, I mean, this is seriously going on to like two or three in the morning. Wow. Um, and so there was just, I mean, this one massive showdown. And then after that, um, as is somewhat typical for a trauma response, um, the months that followed that um, are not really clear in my memory. Mm. Um, my parents, whom I don't have any reason to think would lie to me about this, have told me that they gave me the opportunity to go and confront the youth pastor and talk about what happened, but I didn't want to. Um, all I know is that from that point on, I was pretty ostracized in the youth group. And I mean, it was, I mean, very little love lost. Um, I didn't want to be a part of it. Um, but that meant that really cut out my I was a homeschool kid, and so um, my youth group was a huge social circle for me. And so the the 11th and 12th grade, I didn't have that um, social support. Did you continue to go to youth group even after? I was there on Sunday mornings, um, but uh, youth group at that point was meeting on Sunday evenings, and I had... Um, I was at that point getting pretty involved um, in musical activities within the broader community. And so I invested myself into that, which, I mean, I'm a music professor now, so <laughs> yeah, paid off. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I pretty well distanced myself from youth group. But the long-term effect of, what, of that was that it left me so emotionally shut down as I mm. went into college. Um, Especially I'm imagining toward any form of church leaders or I, yeah I really I bounced around church to church and it's so funny like now it's it's, it's so patently obvious that mm. you know after reeling from that kind of hurt and confusion of course I wouldn't have wanted to be involved at a church mm. at the time it just didn't occur to me did, um, did you feel at that time or if you want to speak back to like the first, you know, significant church that you remember, or the second one you've brought up, did how did that? How did those instances sort of affect your relationship with the Lord at all? Did that um, kind of like to what I was speaking to earlier? I know that sometimes, you know, when you have bad experiences and try to associate it with, well, if God is this, why are His people like this? Or if God is this, why why am I experiencing this at the church? Those kind of did that affect no. your relationship with Him at all? One thing that, you know, and I've said this many times before, um, I have not held on to Christ. I have not held on to the church. I have been held to Christ. I have been held to the church. Mm. Because um, there's there's been a lot of times that I would have wanted to leave, that I would have wanted to um, give up and, you know, nearly have. Um, but I have been held. Can you sort of expand on that idea maybe yeah. for people who are kind of confused, um, but what do you mean by being held? Well, let me go further in the story. Okay. It's, it's not all it's not all terrible. Mm. Um, the first time that I really experienced healing was when I uh, I lived in Hungary, um, working at a Christian school for a, a couple of years in my mid twenties, and was part of a really really wonderful church community there. And that was the first time that um, I was affirmed as a person, as someone who had um, something to offer the church, both in terms of 
um, my spiritual life and natural gifting. I was trusted with leadership roles. I was, it was just a really, really wonderful season of my life. And um, I, I think that that was such a, such a pivotal time for me because um, I, I have had, you know, for a long time had this image in my head of um, me kind of, my life was, if, if you could think of it in terms of pictures, it was just me sitting in a corner by myself and watching the world go by me mm. and feeling very much alone and just wanting so desperately for someone to come and just sit with me in the corner. They wouldn't even necessarily have to talk to me, just sit with me. And you and you felt that way because of the church or you would experience. Yes, yeah. Very yeah. much alone because of yeah. the church. Yeah. Um and then, you know, it, the Lord in his kindness to me has demonstrated in a lot of ways that he is in fact sitting in the corner with me. Mm. And, you know, and, and I'm, I'm still dealing with this and it's, you know, the, the layers get deeper and deeper. I, I would say the most recent thing was um, a really um, profound night, even just a couple of months ago where the, the Lord spoke to me that, yes, you have been called unworthy by people in the church. You have been lied to. You have been told that you don't, measure up or that you are just unable, but that is not what he calls me. Mm. Mm. And as head of the church, head of the church, who is going to fight him on that? He has called me worthy. Mm. And so regardless of what other people say about me within the church, I, I have a seat at the table. Mm-hmm. That's powerful. That's and, a power. Of, and that, and that you can't, you yeah. cannot fight that. Yeah. That sort of brings to the point of how sometimes our church hurt, and maybe sometimes people aren't even aware of this, can affect how we see ourselves. And it oh, seems absolutely. like that that's really part of your story, too, is really shaping your interaction with other people at the church or church leaders or even, yeah, how you're seeing yourself. Yeah. And I think one of the, the, the ways that we're really seeing the Lord holding on to you is through that reminder of like in that, that like standing firm on the truth that at the end of the day, he's the one that defines us, yeah. not our experiences, mm-hmm. not, you know, even our experiences with the church, you know, we might tend to associate those more with, um, you know, defining ourselves and how God sees us. But I think that's a really powerful statement. And hopefully yeah. that encourages a lot of people who might be kind of in the middle of, of that right now and, and really struggling with their identity and, and being really confused just, you know, with growing up in the church or maybe they went to church later in life and had a bad experience, whatever, you know, um, I think it, it can really shape you if you let it, Yeah. but God's word can also really shape you if you let it. So who and, are, and what are you going to lead into? That's what I think has been the, the really key thing for me has been, Yes, the church will will say all kinds of things. Um, The church that I'm at right now is really, really healthy. Um, But even they have, it still has influence on how we view ourselves. Mm -hmm. And so what has, how is, what has held me to the church has been seeking God in scripture and, and getting away from what pastors say and letting, letting Scripture speak for itself, letting the God speak for himself mm. through Scripture. Mm-hmm. And, and over and over again, if I have found those times when I um, am willing to sit long enough to listen to what he has to say— mm. He, he just never disappoints. Yeah. He is so much, so much kinder mm. than, than any church. And I'm at, I'm at a very kind church right now. Jesus Christ is still kinder. Yeah. Yeah, I think, you know, at the end of the day, the church is always going to be made up of broken people until, yeah. you know, eternity. So we're always going to have some sort of bad experience. But having your foundation not be the church, but you know, Christ and who he says about you. And I think, um, I think that's super important. I think maybe one thing 
we can sort of talk about is why, like why, like maybe for like maybe someone like me or someone in their 20s who's like, you know, whether they grew up in church or not or trying to walk with the Lord is like, what? why do I, what's the importance of continuing to go to church? Especially like, I think people who have seen churches fall or have had really bad experiences yeah. like you or traumatic experiences, like why keep going? Why not? Like, why can't I just, you know, I have my Bible. I have my time with the Lord. I have Christian friends, yeah. you know, like, Absolutely. so even have Christian community, like what is the importance of actually like plugging into a church? Like, why do I even need to do that? I have tried at different seasons in my life to be the Lone Ranger Christian. Let me tell you, it's really hard. Mm. Why is it really hard? It's hard because none of us are as strong as we think we are. Mm. Um, Our self-control is often not sufficient. Um, Our capacity to, um, to fight the lies of Satan to fight the temptations of the world um, are, we're just, we're kind of weak. And honestly, the sooner that I got comfortable with admitting that about myself, I feel like my life actually got a lot easier. Mm. Just sort of admitting, yeah, there's a lot of things that I don't do well. Mm. And maintaining my faith by myself is probably at the top of the list. Um, we were not meant to do it by ourselves. I think, um, you know, going back to uh, even the Garden of Eden, of Eden um, and, and God said that it is not good for man to be alone. Yes, he did create woman, but this is so much more than commentary on a sexual relationship. This is a commentary about the need of humans for companionship. Mm. And, What I have experienced is because my relationship with Christ has formed me at such a profound level that there are things that I simply cannot address with people who don't know Jesus because it's it's like we're talking two different languages and there are still people that I care deeply about and enjoy their friendship and we laugh and have a great time together, but there are still things that I know they are not going to understand because they, they are not seeing life and the world through the eyes of faith. I can only get that at church. Mm. Um, so that's a kind of more personal reason. Yeah. Um, the other thing is that, so, you know, it's funny. Um, when I was in high school, I was really obsessed with this one album by uh, a Christian singer called Der- uh, named Derek Webb. And the album was called She Must and Shall Go Free. And it's an album about church song, about the church. And honestly, really great songwriting. Um, but the last song on the album, the, the chorus says, um, you cannot care for me with no regard for her. If you love me, you will love the church. And mm. it's, it's, it's like, you ever been to, it, it's literally like going to a wedding. And I was literally at a wedding reception earlier this evening. Mm-hmm. It would be like me going up to my friend and saying, you know what? You're cool, but not a big fan of your new bride. Mm. how long do you think that that relationship would last with my friend? Right. He would kick me out the door in a hot second. Right. No. If I am going to be friends with him, I will love his bride. Mm. And it is the exact same thing with Christ. You Mm. cannot care for him with no regard for his bride. Mm. Mm. It doesn't work. Yeah. That's a, that's a really powerful analogy too. I think sometimes when we get caught up in church or we can forget about that union with Christ and his mm-hmm. church and the importance of that. Um, I know like for me in my own life, I tend to, you know, forget, forget that. Cause you know, I'm like, Oh, I have my Christian friends, like whatever, but like to actually like be in like 
the body of Christ and like be with the bride of Christ and singing and worship together and receiving the word together, doing communion together, like all of these things, um, doing small groups together, um, you know, doing fun, like, you know, and then being able to build more, you know, Christian friendships into your life, you know, more like naturally and stuff. But yeah, I think that's a really, really good point. Um, I think one thing, um, that you were saying too, about that is like, um, how, uh, the importance of like, so like loving the church and like loving his bride, but then also the importance of like serving mm. maybe like, I think, um, that's something I've been thinking a lot about recently is like my lack because I'm not currently, I'm currently in all honesty, church shopping. And mm-hmm. when I, you know, look for different churches, so it's not, all, I'm not really serving and I'm not really connected. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, and I feel that sort of void in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, despite like the hurt that I felt from the church, I still feel this, I don't know, like some, I know like when I feel guilt, that's not of the Lord, but sometimes I just feel this, like this emptiness. And I think maybe a lot of people who are looking for churches can kind of feel that of like, like we, you know, as Christ has come, like came to serve, like we want to serve and we want to serve his, you know, the communities that we've been placed in in our neighborhoods. But then there's also something really powerful about, I think, serving within the church. So like, why, like, why, why is that aspect important? I think like in going back to the church, I think like, what, like what role does service play in like, you know, Christ calling us into, into that and everything. I think that service, service has to begin with love. Because if you're going to avoid legalism, and I think that that's where, you know, a lot of people kind of experience a lot of frustration of feeling like they have to serve because it's something that they are bound to do. And then it just starts to feel like a job. And then they start, and it's just, it's, it gets so uh, painful and. um, I almost feel like that pulls me away from the Lord too, of that, like, oh, like. I have to do this or, oh, I feel bad because I'm not. I think a lot of people feel that way. Mm -hmm. I think it's very common. Um, But I think it starts with love. And the way that you get there is, I mean, any, any aspect of your life in the church, if it's going to be healthy, it flows out of a thriving relationship with Christ. Mm. And so Seasons where I have not been close to Christ, my experience in church has been, has looked very different at those times. I have had seasons, I mean, that, that's a conversation for another day. I mean, the, the, the way that we bring our own relationship with Christ into service in the church mm-hmm. is uh, a very broad one. But I, I think that I would say, so first of all, it begins with love. Second of all, there are seasons of different kinds of involvement in the church. Um, I am finally getting involved at my church at a service level. For quite a few months, I just showed up and was fed. Mm. And you know what? That's okay. Yeah. Can we talk about maybe the importance of that? I know I've talked to a couple other people who've been pretty wounded by the church mm-hmm. and the easing back into the church and actually going and you know, why, like, why, like, why is it, what is the importance of maybe just, like you said, just kind of being sitting and being fed and not feeling like, okay, I got to plug in. I got to do this, this, that, you know, like, and starting to like, you know, what, what is the, I think there's such, just such an importance of that. And I'd love to hear kind of why. Well, well, you can't give what you don't have. Mm. And so if you're, if you are trying to to give something to the church that is not within you because of an overflow of your relationship with Christ, that's just going to create a deficit. Mm. And there are so many people operating at a deficit Mm. within the church. Mm -hmm. And to them, I would say, you know what? Take a second and and breathe. Take a second to lean into the idea that you are the beloved of Christ. Mm. That, um, because I know certainly I have gone into church plenty of times feeling like I needed to do something. 
to earn God's approval or to earn the approval of other people. Mm -hmm. Now, a lot of that is born out of um, really unhealthy patterns uh, developed from the the situation in high school that I already described. Right. Um, And those things do take some time to unravel. But if your leadership is wise, if your leadership is listening to the guidance of the Holy Spirit, they will hear those cues and they will respond accordingly. And I've seen that multiple times at my own church where I I mentioned I have this history towards a really kind of performative um, element within my, my church involvement. And one woman in particular, um, who's our uh, one of the uh, associate pastors of the church, said, asked me to, to take a couple weeks to think about what would it look like to serve without performance. Mm. And the fact that that was the question that came to her mind mm. to take it rather than saying, well, you know, as long as you've acknowledged it, you know, then, you know, you shouldn't be doing that, blah, blah, blah. Let's yeah. get you in plugged in. Yeah. That her response was no, 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 no. Let's mm. take some time. Yeah. Explore that. Mm-hmm. Understand that. Mm-hmm. Bring that to the Lord. Yeah. That when you are coming at it from that perspective of um, address your relationship with Christ first, then service does become a joy. Mm-hmm. Like I don't feel obligated. Yeah. I am delighted to to share what I have with my church because yeah. because I you have, took that time to yeah. to be fed and to yeah because yeah, I was right. nourished first yeah and it yet really comes down to you cannot give what you do not have yeah and I think there's a lot of people out there who are feeling pretty especially those who've gone through church or that are feeling pretty drained and pretty I don't know if empty is the right word but I'm just kind of you know reflecting in my you know, from what I've heard from other people and stuff. I really like what you said about what your associate pastor said, because I feel like that promotes a come as you are mentality, you know, when you remove that performance element. Cause I think there are people who um, can still feel that way about the church of like, I gotta, you know, dress my best. I gotta put the smile on. I gotta, you know, try, you know, and I just don't think, I think Jesus wants us to come as we are because he meets us where we're at. And I think like accepting that, sitting back, being fed and allowing, you know, healing. And I'd love to hear more about your healing process. I know you mentioned, um, you know, your time in Hungary. How have, how has your journey been with the church since then? And has there been more church hurt? How have you sort of healed from that? You know, how is ups and downs yeah yeah I, I can imagine a lot of people have had those uh, valleys and coming out of Hungary um I, I spent five years at a church that in retrospect has some significant issues that they need to work through um it, that one's a lot fresher for me so I'm uh, it's a, I'm still haven't I can't claim to have worked through everything that happened there um at least with the things that happened in high school that happened, you know, almost 20 years ago. So I've you know, had the advantage of two decades of <laughs> sorting things through. With the church that I re- left more recently uh, here in Chicago, I, d- I don't know what, what fed into them being in the place that they were. What I do know is that it felt like image was more important than adoration of Christ. Mm. And anytime you see that in a church, run, Mm. run. Mm -hmm. The church exists to glorify Christ. Yeah. Cause there's definitely been times where I went to a church down in North Carolina when I was in school or even some churches in Chicago, I felt like they talked more about the name of their church and building their empire versus Versus Jesus and the and Christ, and I think that is really off putting, especially for somebody who was coming from church hurt and pain, mm-hmm. and trying to find a community and not necessarily wanting to sit and promote the name of that church, you know, whatever that yeah. that looks like in terms of building another branch or, you know, we have a new worship team or whatever it is. And I think like a lot of people can sort of resonate with that. But I think that's good advice when looking for a church and for anyone out there who's 
trying to heal from their church hurt and is, you know, trying to get back out there and, and, and find a community. I think that is something that we should be looking out for is, are they saying their name more or are they talking about the name that really matters? You know? Yeah. And that is, if, if, if they are, if they are missing that, how can they really grasp the gospel? If, if they have lost track of the beauty of Christ, um, what else, what else is there? Mm-hmm. If you have lost track of that, why be in church? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because if he, if he is not the most perfect thing, then what does it, you, you could, you could go to any bookstore and get self-help books. You could go to AA, you could go to Weight Watchers for all I care, Mm. and you will get the same amount of satisfaction. And it'll sort of scratch the itch. Yeah. But it won't, it won't feed you. Yeah. And. It's like a social club, like a Christian mm -hmm. social club. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think that's so often what people, people who are, are experiencing this, this deep hurt with the church, at the core of it, they have not been fed. Mm. Because if you are at a place where um, where Christ has real supremacy, even if things go haywire, and I mean, to be quite frank, um, my, my diocese is experiencing that right now. There was a substantiated um, allegation of sexual abuse at the hands of a, um, a lay or, or, or volunteer minister at another church, mm-hmm. not my particular church, but um, one within the the area um and you know when i first heard these allegations i you know was somewhat shell-shocked of of course of like i cannot believe that i am here again right after all after it's like it's what happened 20 years ago just back same old shit on my doorstep Mm. and yet um the response has been so different because um, honoring Christ is first and foremost their objective. And so I have seen leadership step away saying like, I, I want this to be handled as transparently as possible. So if that means that I take my hands off the wheel entirely, I will do that. I have seen them um be as as transparent as possible um i have seen them apologize i have seen them um confess you know the, these are the ways where we were not wise and i don't believe that any of it was was malicious um and you know there's been you know allegations of you know leadership didn't do this properly and i have seen this kind of thing handled badly before And this is not that. Mm -hmm. And what makes the difference is those in charge are so humble because Jesus Christ is supreme. Yeah. And if you're at that kind of church, there is, I have never felt more safe at a church. Mm -hmm. Even though we are in this season of you know, even calling in, there there was a criminal investigation of, because of these allegations, but they also brought in a third-party um, consultation firm to help us, like, become better in our practices so that this kind of thing doesn't happen again. I mean, and also talk about putting your money where your mouth is. Yeah. I'm sure that that kind of, like, private consultant mm-hmm. does not come cheap. Right. Um. But all of that springs from a desire to um, to magnify Christ first and foremost, and if you know that means saying very honestly, "I'm sorry, I was wrong," 
the humility and church leadership. Yeah. Yeah. And that you cannot have that apart from true wonder at the greatness of God. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Was there ever a point kind of in your transition from the church you were previously at in Chicago Mm -hmm. to where you're at now, where you're like, I'm done. I'm never going back to church. This is too much. I'm out before you found your church. uh, Very nearly. I, I don't, I just remember walking into my, my old church at one point and saying, thinking to myself, I might, I might be done with church. Like maybe that was just a thing that I didn't like, you know, my growing up years, but I'm kind of, I just, I don't know if it's a big deal for me going forward. And, um, and that thought scared me Mm. because I had never, I'd never thought like that before. I'd never felt like that. And I had never, um, it was, it was a very cold like in the same way that you might think, you know, letting go of a hobby that that you had done in in high school of like, you know, I'm just not sure that I want to play flute anymore. Mm. That was about all the emotional impact it had for me to have that thought flip through my mind. Mm. And um, yeah, that really scared me. And that was sort of the beginning of the end. And then what ultimately led to me leaving my last church was actually being privy to some, uh, some private emails between the lead pastor and a friend. Uh, and the, the tone that I heard was so ungracious mm-hmm. that I just, I had no interest in being a part of anything he was doing as a spiritual leader. And, um, I never went back. Mm-hmm. But you still like, even after that thought, you, you know, obviously you're at a church now, so you know, can you maybe speak to how the Lord held you in, in that time of how did you, how did you get from having sort of that, you know, flippant thought of, oh, well, you know, done with church, you know, maybe I've, maybe I've graduated from my time there. And, yeah, and how, how did he sort of hold on to you and encourage you to, to really get back, you know? I think that there is something really deep in each of us if you have truly come to know who Jesus is as son of God, savior of the world, then there is something I believe deep inside of each of us who claim him as savior that yearns Mm -hmm. to be at church. Yeah. And I believe that that is, you, you cannot get away from that because God has put it in there and it is, you, you can't, there's no substitute for the church. Mm. And so there was a, a really deep longing to be at a healthy church. And I remember it was like my first or second Sunday at the church I'm at currently where someone, whoever was preaching that morning posed the question of, what would you like to ask God for that just seems impossible right now? And the like mm. instant thought that popped into my mind was a healthy relationship with the church because at the time it seemed absolutely impossible. impossible yeah. And <laughs> I'm going to start crying just mm. remembering this. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so that I was, they took me to meet the, um, the pastor of the church um, and I got down there and um, I'm I'm at an Anglican church and uh, the father there was um, saw me and by the time I got down to the front of the church to be introduced to him I I had said to the girl who was taking me to be introduced um, I said I'm going to start crying and she said, oh, that's okay. Lots of people cry here. And I'm like, no, 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 no. You don't understand. I am like, I'm, I'm about to lose like, it. Yeah. And so by the time I got down at the front of the church, I was like full on ugly crying. Yeah. And Father Aaron turns around and like, just immediately his heart broke with me. Wow. He had never met me. And just the look like his whole, like, like the, the biblical word for compassion means literally that you're 
guts rise up. Mm. And I watched his guts rise up mm. toward me. Mm-hmm. Um, and what a moment that what, was. What a moment. Yeah. It was, it was really, really like, I just don't know that I'll ever forget the look on his face, on his face of just like, so with me in that, in my grief, yeah. like before he even knew what was going on and what my name was, didn't know anything, just like responding to that pain. That's such like a true reflection of the heart of Christ. Like Absolutely. you've sort of been like speaking throughout this podcast of just a reminder of like his love and compassion and gentleness toward us. And I think when leadership reflects that, Absolutely. that is just so beautiful and so encouraging to like hear, I think. Because yeah. I think sometimes we can just dwell so deeply and the enemy wants us to hold on to that bitterness of like how the church leaders didn't reflect Christ and how they hurt us and how they were petty, how they were this and that, whatever it is. Or it could be anything as extreme from, you know, like you're talking about sexual predators or as, you know, it being super image conscious, whatever, mm-hmm. you know, uh, people's experiences have been. I think there's something just so, like, it just seems like, that's just how it's supposed to be. That's like church leaders are supposed to be like helping and encouraging and, you know, being Christ to us and to, you know, his people. And I think yeah. that's such a, that must've been such a powerful moment. It yeah. was, and, but you know, it, it didn't stop there because mm. not only did he respond with that like really profound compassion, but he immediately took me to, he brought me to the Lord. Mm. He said, let's, um, he took me to the altar and he said, let's, let's pray about this. Um, he anointed me, which, mm. <laughs> um, first time out of many times because, uh, the Anglicans like to anoint. They like to anoint. <laughs> a lot of anointing. Of um, and prayed over me. And then gave me the opportunity to um, to pray as much or as little as I wanted. And the only thing that I could eke out, I remember, was the names of three church leaders in particular who have really wounded me. And I'm telling you, Prana, man, the next it's it's been it's been a really it's been a great year and a half, but it has been a hard year and a half. Yeah. And so how have I been held to the church? Going back to your original question, it has been tiny little steps. It has been a document that I have kept on my phone where I just listed, here are all the lies I have believed about myself relative to the church. Here are lies I have believed about the church itself. And taking those lies to the Lord and being like, what do I do with these? Mm. I don't, like, I can't do this on my own. You have to show me how. Mm -hmm. It has been a lot of hard conversations. It has been more tears then I can recall, like I was telling you about that, that album that was all about the church that I had right. loved so much in yeah. high school. I hadn't thought about that in years. And it came to mind, actually, as I was, as you, you know, had sent me the document about this podcast. And it was, and then that came to mind. And even that, like, made me cry to remember that that yearning was there even in high school because I felt so strongly that lack <coughs> of a com- communion with the body of Christ. And so... Um, I, I connected really deeply with this album and then to remember that years later, um, and then to, to grieve that all over again, um, make mo- no mistake. There is, if you were going to deal honestly with church hurt, there will be a lot of grief yeah. and grief is not any fun. Um, it is necessary. Uh, it is good. It is good to press through and, and feel it. Um, but it is not easy to do. Mm. Um, the other thing, um, going to church, and there, there is an element of doing it even when you just don't feel like it. Mm. Um, I, there were a lot of Sunday mornings where I would go to church just kind of angry at the church in general. Not even my church in particular, just angry at church, angry at the pain that had been caused. And I think one of the things that makes it really difficult for people to get back into church is the reality of spiritual warfare. Mm. 
Satan does not want any of us to be connected to a church. For the same, I mean, we talk all the time about safety in numbers, and yet somehow, when it comes to church, ignore that that reality that we acknowledge in so many other spheres of life. But if you're doing kind of Lone Ranger Christianity, you're going to be a really easy target to just kind of pick off. Yeah. Um, and so there were there were plenty of mornings where I have I've long since kind of come to realize that the the less I feel like going to church, the more I need to go. Yeah, I've always I've heard, I can't remember the exact quote, but it's always like the moments those mornings you don't feel like going are the mom, the mornings you need to go the most. Mm-hmm. Like those are like. Like, like you said, that's feel like that's how the enemy works. And like, there's no like neutral, like thought or feeling like it's always planted by, you know, is this coming from the Lord? Or is this coming from the enemy? You know? And yeah, I think that's a great reminder for everyone. And even for myself as someone who's looking for a church in this, um, obviously wanting to be wise in which church you choose, but the, ur- the urgency in the sense of, you know, you, how long can you really survive on your own, you know? Yeah. And and not taking it all, I'll get to it next week. Or, oh, I'll look at another church, you know. But there's yeah. this this healing that you've been talking about and this growing that happens when you start going back to church. And it's not always going to be a hard morning or as challenging. There will be good moments, but... Yeah, there will be a lot of joy. The, yeah, like just to encourage everyone listening, there's a lot of, you know, grief and the chiseling that happens and all of that, but... Um, you know, through that growth, there's so much peace and, and, uh, and joy that comes, comes with that. Um, and I mean, Ali, you've already given us so many things to chew on. And I think I would love to just kind of close this podcast, maybe with directly speaking to, you know, what would you say to, you know, people, you know, in their 20s, maybe like young adults, like younger 20s, who maybe on the fence about going back to church, maybe having a lot of baggage with the church. Um, you know, what would you say to them to just encourage them in this in this moment? Because um, we don't want anyone walking away listening to this conversation feeling like guilty or ashamed for not going. Like I really have not been plugged into a church since, you know, high school. So speaking from that perspective too, I definitely think that there's a wrestling there, but yeah, what would you say to to the young the young folk listening, you know, about dealing with your church or what advice would you give them as as they are on the fence while looking for a new church or maybe they're actively looking, you know? What would you say to the um, to the audience? I'd say first of all, your story matters. Find someone to talk about it with um someone who not just someone who you can kind of air your dirty laundry. Um, Find someone who is thriving in church. That might be, I I pray if if you are struggling to find someone, um, talk to Brenna and she can connect you to me. I would be honored to hear your story. I know how hard it is. I have walked those roads and I, my heart is for you to know that there is hope. Healing is possible. Um, and the truth is that if you look for healing just at a church, you're not going to find it. Look to Jesus. He is the one who will heal you. And it will often be in the context of a church that is collectively looking to him for healing. And when the entire church's focus is fixed on Christ, they have almost no other recourse but to be healthy. Mm. Because when it is looking at Christ, what flows through them then is the kindness, the compassion, the grace of Christ. And when you are in that setting, it might dig up 
things that are uncomfortable, but it will be the start of healing. Mm. That's powerful, Ali. Thank you for sharing all that. I'd love to engage with you all. So please, please, please follow my Instagram page, soul underscore things underscore podcast. Or you can shoot me an email, be a little old school at soulthingspodcast at gmail.com. Um, I'm sharing encouraging information on my Instagram page and just some insight into upcoming podcasts. And also we'll just be taking some polls. So I'd love to chat with you. So hope you give us a follow. Thanks for joining me on my journey through navigating your 20s today. And remember, even in the hard spaces, his grace abounds. See you next week.